Of all interviews, I mean, you could do an interview with anyone. You're doing an interview with me. Obviously, you're, you're going to take abuse for doing that. Like, why would you do that? Um, because I think it's silly not to talk to people. Um, I think whether we agree or not, right? that has nothing to do with it. You know, it's like, this is what it's all about. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's debate. And, and, you know, I've been shut Wait, out. Wait, that sounds like right-wing extremism and <laughs> what about-ism? What, what, but I've been shut out, you know. Some, some platforms will not have me on. Why? Um, they don't like that I'm, you know, an independent thinker. I'm not part of the herd. I'm not part of uh, the go-along-to-get-along gang, so to speak. So, um, you know, I'm an outsider. And so, you know, I'm not part of the club. So I have to, I have to go places for, for one that I'm welcome yeah. and where I can voice my opinion without somebody, um, you know, saying I'm a bad person and that they never want to have me on their platform again. What, what platforms have, have banned you? I've been, I've been, um, you know, I tried to go on, I tried to go on The View. They didn't have me on The View. Why? Um, well, a few of the guests just really didn't like where I was coming from. So, uh, or a few of the hosts, I mean. So that's what I was told by the producers. You know, I don't know if the producers was just copping out and using some of the hosts to. They didn't like him because he wasn't the, you know, one of the mill type entertainers talking liberal talking points. He actually sees what's going on. That's the thing. He's not a young, you know, kid just rapping about what he want to rap about just to get some money. He actually is older now and he sees what's going on and wants to talk about serious issues for black people. And the view doesn't like that because the view, they're all puppets. To, to not have me come on and explain myself, but... You'd be a good booking for them. I've been on there before. Yeah. You know, it's just when I've became an independent thinker, when I've, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't follow their, uh, their brand of politics, I guess. But if you can't think for yourself, then you're not really free, are you? No, you're not. You're not. But I've been excluded. I've been excluded on Oprah, you know. I, I, on Oprah? On Oprah, yeah. I've been excluded. Yeah, man. Um, I would think you'd be the person Oprah would want to promote. I mean, you grew up in South Central. You were successful at a young age. You have dignity. You say what you think. Like, I thought that was the goal. Me too. You know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, several of my, you know, I had a movie called Barbershop. You know, yeah, um, I remember that that I wasn't invited to participate with the cast. I uh, produced a show called uh, Black White, uh, and it was it was a very controversial show. And um, once again, they had the whole cast on, but I wasn't invited. So I don't know. On I don't Oprah, know what that's, on Oprah's yeah, show. Yeah. So I don't know what that's. Really but Oprah is obviously a saintly, godlike figure who's revered by all decent people. Oprah is a person that um, had friends who was friends with people like John of God, who is now facing 99 years in prison for trafficking babies and um, assaulting women. She also employed a dude that is now pled guilty to uh, child abuse. Um, he was abusing cheerleaders, male cheerleaders. And she was uh, close friends with Harvey Weinstein. All right. She also has connections with uh, Epstein Island, with Jeffrey Epstein. 
So, yeah, she's not a saintly figure. She's a saintly figure to those who are not in the know and um, who are just into new age and feminism. Why would she exclude you? I really don't know. You know, that's that's something that I would love to find out. But I, I don't I can't tell you, you know, if there's a single thing that I've done or said to her. Have you noticed that it is more controversial to criticize Oprah than to burn the American flag? Really? Seems that way. <laughs> I've never heard anybody criticize Oprah. Do you think it's political or do you think it's deeper than that? I, don't, I mean, you're not like a right winger. No. 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 You don't even seem that political. No, I'm not really. I'm pretty much, you know, um, just want to do right by the people, you know. So if that comes through political means, that comes through the private sector, wherever it comes, you know, uh, I'm down to work with whoever's down to do something right for the people. So I remember reading you say something along the lines of, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not a Trump voter. You actually attacked Trump at one point, but you were willing to meet with Trump. Do you think that crossed a line? I think some people didn't like that, um, but I think it's idiotic. You know, enemies meet. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they talk. I'm pretty sure there's some communication between Russia and the Ukraine right now. Somebody's on the phone talking to somebody, trying to, um, to come up with a, a solution. Um, so we just got to talk. Thing is, though, is that it's kind of sad that even though they see that the Democrats are really just destroying the community and not really helping the community, if you dare try to go somewhere else for help, you know, they got oh, most of the black community, you know, the urban poor to rise up and say, you know, don't you dare go to anybody that could possibly help you. I mean, yeah, Republicans are just as scummy, but they have policies that could help your children, you know, be able to walk home at night. They would clean up your neighborhoods. Of course, you'd have to make sure that you're able to, you know, to take care of your own neighborhoods to, to fight back gentrification. Okay. See, that's why I um I always harped on the fact of like with uh the Democrats are really just communists who want blacks to be their slaves. You know. That's the only way we're gonna work this out, you know. I know when the talking stops, the fighting starts. You know, a lot of people they, you know, think I'm a you know, Republican, I'm, I'm a right-winger. Um, just because I was willing to speak to the Trump organization, administration, I mean, and I was willing to speak with the Biden administration as well, you know. Um, Have you? One guy in the administration, but it didn't go anywhere. You know, it was basically a, you know, take my temperature kind of call. We'll get to it, like. But, you know, they they never got to it or never planned to. Hmm. As a matter of fact, the guy left the administration. So, you know, after after talking to him for a year or so, he was gone. And then, you know, we were left really with no one to, to continue the conversations. What do you think of Biden? I don't think he's given the people who put him in exactly what they thought they were going to get from him. Um, His most loyal voters, according to the polls anyway, are black voters, particularly black women. Mm-hmm. And those numbers don't seem to change. So no matter what happens or doesn't happen. So do you expect they ever will change? You know, whether they become independents and not vote for anybody who's not bringing it. You know, it's like people want your vote. Um, they have to do something to earn it. If they don't earn it, why are you going down there and pulling that lever? Exactly. Exactly. All right. 
Why pull the lever? Father side. Father side's not giving you what you want. You know, um, and my thing is I never understood why are blacks voting for a party that doesn't want to help bring down the crime rate in your communities, um, a, a party that wants your kids to be exposed to drag queens, okay, reading a book to them. Most of those drag queens are convicted sex offenders. Why would you want your child to be exposed to books that are talking about uh, adult sexual content? Why would you support a party like that? I just don't understand it. That's my thing. Okay. Like, again, um, if you can, look up Manning Johnson. He's a black guy that used to be a communist. And he will tell you every every tactic, okay, that the Democrat Party uses on blacks. All right. Okay. You could check that out and you could see what the, how they look at the Democrat Party looked at blacks who were had their own businesses, blacks who um who sought to be independent. Look what the Democrat Party thought about them then and think about them now. How would they would have riots and destroy businesses? To bring them down, okay? Because that's what the Democratic Party wants. They want you as slaves. Republicans, just as bad, okay? But the, the Democrats, they play like they're your friend when they're not. All right? That's why Joe Biden feels he could do what he wants. He feels like he could treat blacks any other way because he knows they will vote for him anyway, no matter the disrespect he does to them, the disrespect he did to black farmers. Okay. But hell, you know, both parties have done bad things to black people. So make sure they, if they want your vote for presidency, you make them earn it. Because the other side hates you. That's the that's the pitch they make. We, we may suck, but the other side hates you. Um, you're supposed to dance with the person you brought. Yeah. You know? And the person that, 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 that brought you to the dance, you guys are supposed to dance together. And if that doesn't happen, you got to go find another dancing partner before the night is up and the music stops. What do you think of Kamala Harris? I mean, obviously she's a great politician to be able to become the vice president of the country. He doesn't know much about uh, Kamala Harris, how she slept with Willie Brown to get the position that she got. And the fact that um, she was locking people up under false pretenses. Uh, George Gage um, was accused of molesting his stepdaughter and a rape kit proved that he didn't do it and she still pro had him prosecuted okay he's still in jail to this day the man did not do it still in jail to this day it got so bad that a uh, public official had to get into one of the cases because she was trying to get a man put in prison for a crime he did not commit. And it took a public official to get in that and make headlines to keep her from doing that. Look into Kamala Harris history. She's incarcerated a lot of black men on false pretenses. All right. Also, she fought for no body cams for police officers. This woman is dangerous. She's not good at all. She talked about literally depopulation. She said it out loud that depopulation is good for people. I don't know, Ice Cube. Um, 
I don't know how effective she is at her job. What's your view of the police at this point? Um, it's the same. You know, they, <laughs> it really is, you know. It's, 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 it's like looking at, like, what's your view? It's not, it's not lying. He's not lying. You do have police brutality. But Republicans don't want to talk about that. There is no police brutality. I've had it. I've talked to some. There is no police brutality. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not talking to you. I am definitely not talking to you. All lives matter. Right. Then we have to talk about the lives being victimized by police, whether they're black, white, Chinese, Asian, Jewish. We got to talk about police brutality, period. You're the military like they're the military. They're always going to be the military. If I ask you this in 1946, you'd be like, they're the military. Yeah. So it's a fraternity. It's an organization that does things a certain way. And I think their philosophy sometimes is detrimental to the people they're serving because I think cops have a win and make it home philosophy. When Whatever battles you have in the street, make it home at night. And that's that's actually the most important thing. And everything else, people's rights, doing things the right way, you know, being totally fair and square all the time and not, you know, being a little aggressive, you know, um, all that comes second to win the encounter make it home at night and you can't really fault somebody for thinking that way as a police officer but that's the philosophy so everything else comes second to that so guy might not care if he violated your rights he's gonna win this encounter he's gonna make it home tonight and that's all that matters and sometimes i think that's what we see is uh, an organization hell-bent on winning and not a, and not a fraternity or organization hell-bent on upholding the law and doing anything right or by the book, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. And it's just the nature of that fraternity. Maybe of organizations. Yeah. You know. All right. My thing is about, like, when he talks about, all right, being a cop is a dangerous game, dangerous profession. Yeah, the objective is to make it home. Right. Okay. I mean, if you're in a violent encounter, you know, you, your job is to make it home. All right. A violent encounter that you did not create. You know, the guy wanted to, was uh, the, the, uh, the, criminal was shooting at the cop and the cop shot back and killed the criminal. I understand. I understand. Okay. Or, you know, a perfect example of that would be the Rashid Brooks. Right. Yeah. The Rashid, uh, was it Rashid, Rashid Brooks situation. Right. Um, he decided he want, instead of going home, going with the cops because he was the one who drove under the influence instead of going with the cops, in a calm, decent manner, taking accountability for his actions, he decides to fight the cops and take his taser and run away. And then when running away, aims the taser at the cops. The cops had no choice but to shoot him. Because if he sees, if a cop gets tased with that taser, he's immobilized for a good couple of minutes that leaves uh, Rashi, Rashi Brooks a opportunity to hurt him. All right. And I don't understand why a lot of people were mad about that. I don't understand that. That's what I never understood. These cops have a right to come to the, go home to their families just as much as anybody else. All right. But violating a person's rights, yes, that's important not to do. That I agree. But having the right to come home at night, that is that is completely understandable. They, 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 they come with a philosophy and, you know, you can try to buck it if you want to. But more than likely, they're going to 
get you out the way and stay in formation. Do you think that it's harder to be a man in America now than it was when you were a kid? Yes. Saying what you feel, being yourself, um, is, is what they call toxic. You know, we shouldn't be um, called toxic for, for our instincts and for, you know, I was born this way. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why can't we be ourselves? We were born this way, too. Hey, I don't like the way he said it like that. Born, You know, we were born because, you know, you're trying to it's. You know, the alphabet mafia says it says those things, you know, if you're not familiar with the Lady Gaga term. Men and women have gender roles. OK. That's it. I don't care who doesn't like it, especially with the liberal black community um, being brainwashed by feminism, which is never for black women or any other ethnic women, ethnic group of females It's for white women only. That's I never could understand that. Why do a lot of black women pick up an ideology that is really for white supremacy? Once again, look up Elizabeth Stanton and look up Gloria Steinem. OK, but look up Elizabeth Stanton first, because that's the person that's uh, the originator of feminism. And she will tell you what she thinks of women who are not white. OK, I'll give you a little clue. When black women wanted to join feminism in the days of Elizabeth Stanton, they had to march in the back. They couldn't march side by side if it was for equality. All right. Here's another thing. When Roe v. Wade was being overturned, when it was such a big uh, when it was such a big um, issue, there were department stores saying Help a non-ethnic woman get an abortion by buying their pair of jeans. I think it was Gap that was saying to do that. Yeah, I, th I think it was Gap. Um, how does that help? With how Isn't feminism about equality? Shouldn't you guys both cherish your wombs? Hmm? Like I said, it's for white supremacy. White supremacy is about your numbers, white, white people's numbers growing. OK, because that's the reason why it was really turned over. OK, because the white birth rate was too low. All right. Like I said, the Republican side, birth rates got to be high. OK, that's what it's about. The Democratic side is to make sure minority births are low. All right. So there are some groups, like if I say I'm trans, then people say, that's great, you were born that way, we affirm you. But if you say I'm just a dude with male instincts, you're not affirmed, you're attacked. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And this is the thing. Women, you know, who are brainwashed with this feminism are the ones saying, well, you know, I, I don't like men who are toxic or the ones, but you're not going to go for the ones that, are soft the ones that are feminine you're not going to go for that you want a masculine man that's that's the whole issue right there all right you'll notice that women will complain about you know they'll have a man all right they complain sometimes about how he's masculine, how he's dominating sometimes. And they want to leave him, but they're still with him because he's a man. All right. This is the crap that feminism will cause, a cognitive dissonance. You know what you want and you're complaining about it. You have it. And if you play around, you may lose it. Okay. The creator of Sex in the City, right? She had a husband. She left that husband for a career because feminism and, you know, being Miss Independent Woman, I don't need a man. 
she took that route. Now she's older with a boyfriend at a very old age. And she wants to have kids. The boyfriend doesn't want to have kids because he's older now. No, I don't want to have kids. And she was asked, so what's going to happen now? She said her friends are going to take care of her. Her friends are old just as like her, like she is. They're going to need somebody to take care of them. Sad. The people in the community that's going to get hurt the most is the urban black community. Not the rich ones. The rich, affluent black communities, they know better. They're not going to put up with this foolishness. Yeah, I mean, everybody doesn't really have to affirm you. You know, if I wake up and say, you know, I'm a, I feel like a pigeon. And I want everybody to treat me like a pigeon. Some people may say, whatever, Q, <laughs> we treat you like a pigeon. But some people may choose to be like, dude, no, that's your world. Yeah. I'm not part of it. And I have to be ready for that. It's a big world out here. Everybody doesn't have to adhere to me. That's called narcissism, right? Yeah, it seems like it. Um, yeah, seems like you, you're trying to bend the universe to your will. And don't work like that. We've been talking almost all day now. You haven't mentioned race a single time. We've mentioned economics, rich and poor, a number of times. Do you think that we overplay the role of racial conflict in American life? Yes. I think race, it, it takes up too much space. Um, there's people. That I would say the fact of, yeah. It's been taken to the point where it's manipulated to racism doesn't really mean anything anymore. Okay. That's the sad thing. You have people saying, you know, you have black women jumping on the bandwagon and saying being over exercise is racist to, for me to be on a diet is part of white supremacy. The BMI, you know, the body mass index is white supremacy. Okay. It's, it's ridiculous, and it's coming to a point where you've watered down racism. They're even saying right now, math is racist. Math! What you need to get through life, to pay your bills, to do your taxes, is racist. <clears throat> okay? And, once, and, and who takes the brunt of that? black people who looks like clowns when you dilute it to the point that it means nothing anymore it's not taken seriously black people are the ones who are feeling the brunt of it that we all have in our lives who are same race that we can't stand and there's people in our lives from other races that we get along with way better. So it's not about race. It's not about color and gender and this and that. It's about who do you connect with? You know, who do you vibrate with? You know what I mean? I Who's do. on the same wavelength? Who wants to be the same kind of person? Who wants to do the right thing when you want to do the right thing? Um, that's who you connect with. So I think a lot of people get make a lot of money off of the racists fighting against each other and bickering. And they the ones who push it in our face all the time that we're separate. And um does feel like there's more of that, doesn't there? Yeah, it seems like it's uh it's like you're stuck in a bad movie and you can't get out. Like you can't find the exit and it continues to play on the screen. And you're just running around looking for the exit. And this bad movie continues to just haunt you day by day by day by day. You know, that's what we're caught in.
um, a, a never-ending, winless battle of, you know, um, of race and color and worried about, you know, where you from and, you know. Hip-hop, what's great about hip-hop, like, it was a it was a saying in hip hop, early hip hop. I think Rakim coined this phrase. You know, it ain't where you from, it's where you at. You know, and it's so true. It's not about where you come from. It's about where you at right now. It, I'm not imagining that this stuff is being pushed on us, right? No. Much more than in say 1986. Yes. Yes, I think so, because in 1986, you had movies and television, and it was all scripted, and we knew this is a scripted show. But I think now you have so many so-called reality shows that basically push the same thing, but in a reality-like setting. So... You know, you'll watch a movie on race, okay? And you flip the channel now, you're watching a, a somewhat like documentary reality show that's highlighting and 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 magnifying race and 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 status and where you belong in this country and where you don't and you know, uh, we're highlighting the bad guys here. We're highlighting the good guys, you know. Um, it's, it's just, it's always really showing controversy and pitting each other against each other. And, yeah, how often are you going to talk about, unfortunately, there's a lot of money in racism. How often are you going to talk, how often are you going to talk about race? in a negative light. Okay. They have shows like that. They're always coming out with movies, you know, with black people about race, slavery movies. Never could talk about a black movie about, you know, Gannibal, the black Russian general. His story. Okay. Or about a um, damn, I forgot this name. He was a uh, a black swordsman in France. Okay, but talk about a, uh, a a black inventor. Okay, you talk. See, that's what I'm saying. You talk about race in a positive light, where the fact that they overcame their struggles and they became inventors, not the fact of the same slave movie over and over again. Okay, where the black man comes out on top. You ever notice they're always making movies with, you know, whenever you talk about a black person overcoming, it's always a black woman. No offense to black women or adventures, but they're kind of showing you the fact of, you know, they who they want to see on top. They don't want to see the man on top, a black man on top. You have movies with white men on top uplifting them, but you can't have a movie uplifting black men. If you do, it has to be of the alphabet origin. All right. But I'm going to go on to this article right now. All right. Uh, yep. Let me do that. I'm going to talk about how uh, Ice Cube brought Tucker Carlson to South Central. Let's go into that right now. Right. Ice Cube takes Tucker to South Central to show how Democrats failed the black community. Rap icon and Hollywood star Ice Cube appeared on Tucker Carlson's X show and discussed how generations of Democrat politicians and policies have failed African-Americans in communities like South Central Los Angeles. The episode featured the straight out of Compton rapper riding a car with Tucker Carlson through his childhood neighborhood in South Central Los Angeles, the neighborhood where he met Dr. Dre and formed the legendary rap group NWA. When asked if Democrats have done anything to help the black Americans who live 
in the city despite the billions of taxpayer dollars spent. Ice Cube said that nothing has changed, that he does not trust politicians. <clears throat> How do you think politicians in Los Angeles have done running this city? Axe Tucker It's pretty much the same. People running it the same way. Politicians will only pay attention to the people that give them money. Everybody else is kind of an extra in their movie, responded in, responded to Ice Cube. <clears throat> Ice Cube said that he never gives money to politicians because he does not trust them. I don't believe in politicians, he said. Politicians have hidden agendas. They owe a lot of people a lot of favors. The more money you give them, the more you're listened to. Ice Cube admitted that he did feel some degree of hope after the election of former President Barack Obama, but he now understands that Obama is a snake oil salesman and the positive change promised during his campaign did not eventuate. Not much change for people. I know people I care about, he said. Later discussion Later discussion touched on Ice Cube's refusal to get the, uh, the juice to the point of even turning down a $9 million payday on a Hollywood film. He lamented about how the media portrayed him as an anti-jabber, even though he actually never publicly advocated against the, the juice. And they never told his supporters to reject the juice. <clears throat> Ice Cube declared war on the political and entertainment industry establishment when he announced his F the Gatekeepers tour last month. Some of you may have realized that I'm not part of a club, the rapper said, and a lot of you listen to me right now. You're not part of the club either. And what I've realized, the club is what makes them so mad is when you don't want to be part of the club. That pisses them off. What the club am I talking about? I'm talking about the club of gatekeepers that we all got to deal with. You know who they are and definitely know who they are. He added. Yeah. I mean, Ice Cube isn't saying anything um, new. He's not. Because guess who also said this stuff? George Carlin. I don't know if you know if he was um, a guy. I don't know if you guys know about George Carlin. Okay. He was saying the same thing. <clears throat> There's a club and we're not part of it. George Carlin was the one I remember saying stuff like that. He was a comedian and he talked a lot about how they want us to be slaves. They want us to be workers they don't want us to think for ourselves and that's it people that can be bought and paid for they could be bribed it could be controlled and this is the society we have now and anybody who dares to go against that they lose their career and if you really aggravate them and expose their plans they'll have you have make a disappearing act all right so let's get into some stuff about uh more stuff about tate all right stuff i found out about found this very interesting this part about him. Especially his brother. Take a deep listen. So essentially, to make a long story short, when my parents got divorced, I moved to England at eight years old and my mother's sisters were in my ear. Your dad cheated on your mother. Your dad cheated on your mother. So I'm an eight-year-old kid. You see cheating on TV and in the soap operas that these women watch. And, you know, you think it's, it's wrong. And I remember being about nine and saying to my dad on the telephone call, Dad, well, you know, you cheated on mom because these women had been in my ear. And I always had a lot of respect for my father. He said, Tristan, one, shut the fuck up because I'm not going to sit here and discuss male and female sexual relations with a fucking nine-year-old. So be quiet. When you're older... We'll discuss this. And I completely forgot, Richard, that this conversation had happened. Mm -hmm. Thing is, though, um, the way he talked to his son, 
you don't have to explain the birds and the bees to your son. But here's the thing that a lot of parents don't realize that are, you know, the actions that you do, your kids are watching you or your kids will hear about. And instead of just saying, you know, he could have said something like, you know what, son, people make mistakes. And you got to learn from it. Something along something along those lines. But we'll hear more about what Tristan has to say. Grace from my memory. Cut to I'm now 16 years of age. Uh, I had a girlfriend named Rachel. Well, the first girl, the second girl I think I'd ever slept with, but my first ever proper girlfriend. And I started cheating on Rachel with this girl called Liz. I don't know, it was just in my blood. I never thought, well, let's be loyal to Rachel. It, it never registered to me. Mm. So my dad was visiting England at the time. And I, I'd go over to brag to my father. I said, hey, dad, I've got this pretty girl named Liz. And, you know, I slept with her and Rachel doesn't know about it. He looks at me, puts down his whiskey, blank face and says, do you remember when you were fucking nine and you want to try to tell me? <laughs> so it hit me at a, at a very, very young age. So I think it was more of a, more of a role model thing, or maybe, maybe it's, I wouldn't say it's as far as to say it's genetic, but uh, certainly nurture more than nature, but it's just the way my dad was. I knew that I wasn't going to live that way. <coughs> and um, was it... Um... So you see how, you know, his father did that, and now his son does that. And instead of the, the father having accountability, you know what, son? That's not right to do. I know I, you saw you heard about me doing that to your mother and I was wrong. Son, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Son, don't do that. Stop that. And I, I'm starting to believe. Yeah, I'm starting to believe that. Yeah. The father was diagnosed with a narcissistic mental uh, mental disability and. This is what how it's playing out. Very interesting. Was it like open? Like you just basically said, look, I'm going to do whatever I want. You're just going to have to look the other way and you're going to have to accept that you're going to have to share me. Or was it like covert cheating? Like when you weren't with Rachel, you were banging Liz. You didn't tell Rachel what you're up to or disclose any of it. Yeah. As, as a younger man, keep in mind, we all go through a, a growth uh, period over our lifetime. And I was not some ice cold playboy when I was 16, 17 years old. I was working in a McDonald's restaurant. You know, I slept in the back room at my mother's house and I moved into some. Yeah, man. And I was always remember how they would talk about their father and how he was, you know, he left them poor and destitute and like that, that's my dad. I'm like, and then you see all this stuff with the sex trafficking and everything that this is where it's all rooted from. This is where it all comes from. All right. This is this is the lunacy. That comes from the Tate brothers. All right. And you'll still have men that will want to be defend them this man is training other men to be sex traffickers all right training men to have no accountability training men that it's fine to do whatever you want with women as long as you're extorting them to get cash okay That is crazy. That is insane. All right. It's moving on. All right.
How many of you think that uh, <laughs> Joe Biden is um, going to still have people, black people, on his side? How many think that? What I'm hearing is the fact that uh, it's not looking too well for him at all. Let's get into that. Pro-reparation activists say that President Biden is taking black voters for granted and losing their support by remaining silent and not backing reparations for black Americans as a way to make amends for slavery and racism. Now, Biden is facing increased pressure to use his authority to either support legislation or enact proposals that would advance efforts to give out reparations. Now, several Democrats in Congress have backed a bill establishing a commission to study and develop reparations, but the White House has previously indicated uh, that he does support the study, but has done nothing to actually make it happen uh, to create a commission. Uh, as I mentioned a, a little moment ago, at the state level, New York and California are the only states that have passed bills to formally create a commission to support reparations. You know, folks think that they're just, they're going to sit down and be quiet, and that's just not the case. Uh, they don't give a damn if uh, Democrats are running, if it's an open primary, a closed primary, they could care less if you say, well, you're helping Trump. This movement is continuing to get louder and louder, and ignoring it is not a good thing. What are your thoughts? Oh, you know, I'm no fan of... Uh... So just want to get that out there, all right? It's not looking good for Biden, but like I said, it's black people's fault for letting him have that the black voters for Biden. All right. That allow him to treat them the way he's doing. All right. Biden blowing off black voters, reparation activists say the president needs to act. Push for reparations gain steam, President Biden remains silent. President Biden is taking black voters for granted and losing their support by remaining silent, not backing the reparations for black Americans as a way to make amends for slavery and racism, according to the pro-reparations activists who spoke to Fox News Digital. I believe the Biden administration stance is emblematic of the Democrat parties being neglect of black voters. ADOS, American descendants of slavery voters, more specifically said Yvette Carnell, president of the ADOS Advocacy Foundation, black voters are whipped into a frenzy around election time and Republicans are made into the boogeyman who, as Biden himself said back in 2012, want to put you all back in chains. Wow. It's fear mongering rather than offering a reparations framework or a transformative black agenda that we can actually get excited about. Biden is facing increased pressure to use his authority to either support legislation or unilaterally enact proposals that would advance efforts to give out reparations, especially as the campaign for cities and states to pay reparations at a more local levels gains major momentum across the country. At the federal level, meanwhile, lawmakers have introduced their own measures. Most recently, Republican Cory Bush, um, Representative Cory Bush, Democrat of Missouri, introduced a proposal in May to pay 14 trillion to compensate for what he believe what she believes are racist government policies that created a wealth gap between white and black people. While critics have dismissed the proposal as absurd and unrealistic, supporters argue it sends an important message. 
Congresswoman Bush legislation challenges the notion that reparations for black people have to wait for the right political move moment and aren't feasible, said Tristan Health, an activist and reparations experts who for years worked as a researcher at Human Rights Watch. American public should read through the entire proposal to identify the long range of government sanctions, harms on black America, and how that affected the healthiness of the country at large. Congresswoman proposals, Congresswoman Bush's proposal details the impacts of chattel slavery and the living legacies such as environmental racism, lower life expectancy rates, maternal and infant mortality, over policing, over incarceration and predatory lending. Heath noted the 14 trillion figure didn't come from Bush, but was previously calculated by the pro reparation economists. Less ambitiously, several Democrats in Congress have backed the bill establishing a commission to study and develop reparations proposals for lawmakers to consider implementing. However, Biden has largely been silent about such initiatives and the White House didn't respond to, to multiple requests for comment this week. To clarify the president's position on reparations and seek his response to critics claiming he needs to do more. However, the White House has previously indicated Biden supports studying potential reparations for black Americans, but, but stopped short of saying he'd back a bill introduced in Congress that would create such a commission. Last month, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre repeatedly dodged questions concerning whether Biden would support financial reparations being paid to the descendants of black slaves in the U.S. In March, Jean-Pierre similarly failed to answer the question about whether Biden supports slave reparations at a national level. He's not going to do it. That's it. He's not going to do that. He's basically going to string along black people, just like Obama has strung along black people, to get to the polls. Okay? And a lot of them feel that they should still vote for a party that, once again, does not care about them and wants to destroy them with alternative lifestyles. Throughout this time, racial groups... Racial, ju racial justice groups and some Democrats have been pushing Biden to establish a National Reparations Commission by executive order, so far to no avail. The lack of both words and actions has led to frustration among those who support reparations. We are the base of the Democratic Party, and Biden told us very clear not to expect much movement on reparations, said Carnell. That tells me he doesn't take the black vote seriously. He never has. How long, it, it's sad that it takes this to understand that he never cared about you, never. And you still think the Democratic Party is the party to vote for. He takes it for granted, it's obvious to anyone watching that President Biden views the black vote as a captured vote to which he doesn't owe any exchange. Heath called on Biden to create a reparations commission by executive order saying this lack of action is losing him support among black voters. The Biden administration can issue executive order today setting up a federal reparations commission, she said. Black voters continue to identify unkept promises from Biden and are less enthusiastic about his leadership because of what he has not delivered on, including reparations. Majority of black Americans support reparations. Leaders have to be led, held accountable for unkept promises. They can't coerce support and then not deliver. It's that simple. Well, it's too late. It's too late to do this. He has power now. What does he owe you? All right. You had nothing in writing. You didn't hold him to some legal standard. Have it notarized. Have it seen by lawyers. Have clauses put in it that if Biden negates on it, he'll face legal action against him. Done nothing. And that's why black voters will always lose when you choose to side with Biden. Heath explained that the Biden ran on a campaign promises to address systematic racism and the continuing impacts of slavery by supporting a study on, a study on reparations. Not like he's gonna actually do something for, to make reparations a reality for African-Americans. Wow. 
noting multiple press secretaries have gone on record during the Biden administration to say the president supports a study on reparations. Why was that so easy to please black Americans? Why didn't they say that's not enough? We want tangibles. We want you to say you will put a bill for reparations on the books that will say blacks will receive reparations. That's what they should have said. That's what they should have put into writing and make it a legal document. Hold Biden's foot to the fire. But they didn't. And it's just going to continually have egg on their faces. Given it's dead on arrival in Congress, Biden needs to act, she's he added the political gatekeeping of this issue is detrimental to the well-being of the black community and the country at large sad you read the rest of the article on your own it's just a sad way of just knowing that uh, blacks are just gonna stay losing politically they're going to stay losing when it comes to this. And it's pretty much a done deal. It's pretty much that they are uh, basically going to be at the bottom when it comes to politics. All right. So let's look at this next story right now. Well, a federal judge today in San Francisco blocked a key new asylum policy of the Biden administration. That new policy it was put in place only just a few weeks ago with the ending of Title 42. News for Tucson's Eric Fink joins us live in downtown right now with uh, more on uh, what is happening with this situation and how this is going to affect immigration into this country. Eric. Sean. Illegal crossings have sharply decreased since the ending of Title 42 back in May, and the Biden administration argues that the policy that was upended today is critical to managing the border, but a federal judge disagreeing. So here is what that policy is that was blocked today. After Title 42 expired on May 11th, the Biden administration put in place a rule that disqualifies people from applying for asylum if they have crossed into the U.S and at that time can't prove that they tried to seek asylum in another country along their journey. Immigration advocacy groups sued, saying that that rule is against the law and put, puts constraints on migrants' ability to seek asylum. Some groups also arguing that policy puts migrants in danger. I spoke with a Tucson immigration lawyer this afternoon. He calls the decision from the federal judge in San Francisco a victory. Having this sort of transit ban basically is, you know, a polar opposite to what asylum law should be allowing for, which is allowing people to, to request asylum no matter where they are from and no matter where they're traveling through. Now, in his ruling today, Judge Tiger staying that decision for 14 days to give the Biden administration time to appeal. The Department of Justice has already said that they will intend to do so. What this means is that this case could eventually end up before the United States Supreme Court. That's what you have to see. See what's happening here? You have to show that you mean business with Biden. That you're not trying to have, you know, your state overrun with illegal immigrants. All right. That's what you have to do. You have to go to war with people like Biden. 
because he doesn't care. He wants to try and have his way. That is what you have to do. All right. But black people, black voters, I'm not going to say all black, because all people are not going to vote for Biden. All black people do not want to vote for him. You have to have a backbone. Just like this judge had a backbone that he was going to put up with his foolishness, it's the same thing with Biden. You weren't going to not put up with a a politician's foolishness, because that's what these presidents are. They're politicians. And you have to go to war with them. All right? This is what we want. Okay? This is what we want signed into law. That's it. Take it or leave. If you're not for reparations, we're not, we don't want to study. We want tangibles. You can't give us that. We don't vote for you. We don't vote Democrat. Have that same energy for Republicans. We, you're not going to give us what we want. We're not voting for you. That's it. All right. All right, let's get into other news right now. trafficking in the illicit marijuana industry. Before tonight, it was hard to tell who is responsible. Now Jacob Soboroff reports that a sophisticated international money laundering partnership may be to blame with deadly consequences. It's the latest report in our series, Captives of Cannabis. It's early in the morning in Riverside County, California. These sheriff's deputies are about to execute a dozen search warrants on residential homes. They say they're going to find illegal marijuana grows there and victims of human trafficking working on those grows. But first, they're going to go after the leader of the operation. Is this person a mid-level operator, kingpin, mastermind? I would say this is a, a mid-level operator. We believe that the people that are ultimately in control are likely in China. Search warrant! Open the door! What did you guys find in there? Uh, we found several documents that ultimately link these suspects living in this home to several of the other locations that we've been investigating. The couple's arrested and deputies focus on the organized crime ring they say this grow appears to be a part of. We don't know how large this organization is, but we do believe that it is global to some extent. If it is so big, how come you guys are out here alone? Where's the, where's the federal government? Where's the DEA? That's a great question. It's uh, a great question. To push for answers, we met Bill Bodner, DEA special agent in charge of Los Angeles for an exclusive interview. In our reporting, we've seen Chinese nationals involved in the illicit cannabis trade. The law enforcement that we've been talking to says that they believe that the bosses of those operations are back in China. How is that connected to what you're seeing? The Chinese criminal organizations have such a desire for U.S. dollars in cash that they're getting into a variety of criminal uh, enterprises to create that cash. And I'm not surprised to hear that them running cannabis uh, grows, it's generating cash that they're then using to accomplish capital flight out of China. In other words, the DEA says this form of organized crime is one that... And the Biden's lax immigration laws makes this possible. It extends far beyond black market cannabis and is rooted in a desire for Chinese nationals in the U.S. to get their money out of China due to recent restrictions and how much they can take out of the country. A U.S. Treasury official tells NBC News that Chinese criminal organizations are operating in the U.S. and now working with Mexican cartels by helping them launder money made from meth, fentanyl, and other drugs. 
They do so by loaning out the cartel's dollars to unsuspecting Chinese people living in America. And the, the fentanyl is coming from China. These criminal organizations are then repaid in Chinese currency back in China. And the money launderers buy Chinese products and have them shipped to Mexico, where they're sold and give that money in pesos back to the cartels. In the end, no money actually crosses international borders, and the Treasury Department says the dirty dollars are, quote, disappearing into thin air. The DEA says instead of products like the clothes and appliances that were once widely available here in L.A.'s wholesale district, the products money launderers are sending from China to Mexico are deadly. Guess which product is very available in China that's not available here at all? Precursor chemicals. It was the synthetic drug explosion in 2015 and 2016 when this capital flight model started. Precursor chemicals were used as a way to transfer wealth. In Mexico, the precursors are made into meth and fentanyl, synthetic drugs that have caused U.S. overdose deaths to more than double since 2015. Wild. It's wild. There's a lot of things happening, man. There's a lot of things that are going on that is destroying the country. We're not going to have a country left. That's what I'm seeing. We're not. Sooner or later, this country is going to fall apart. Hope you guys are stocking up. Preparing yourselves for what's eventually to come. Anyway, I'm on Spotify, TikTok. Check me out there. I'm also on Rumble. Rumble's Radical Thoughts 791. Um, Spotify, Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. And uh, that's about it. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.